Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. I, I fully believe God is not a God of accidents. He is a God of order. And as God, um, as God is here today, so you too are here today. And what I believe is that God um, has you here for a reason today. And so I'm thankful for that. And so on this day, um, I ask that you would open your hearts and minds, not to the words that I would have for you, but to the word of the Lord this morning and what God may have for us. I have told our, um, our, our staff, and in our staff meetings I've shared, I've told our board as well, more often than not I stand up here and I look over our congregation and I think, man, it doesn't matter what I've prepared, it doesn't matter what I've planned, it doesn't matter what I have. There's no possible way what I might say today and my words are enough for each and every one of you because we are so diverse and we're so different and we have such different experiences and how can what I say even this morning be exactly what you need to hear, what each and every one of you need to hear? And my only explanation for that, my only um, comfort in that is that it's not my words but it's the Holy Spirit working within us. And if the Holy Spirit can can talk and communicate, and to God be the glory. And so I believe in the next few moments, God has exactly what he wants you to hear this morning. And the only question is, will you receive it? Are you ready to receive it? We have been in the Gospel of Mark, and in the Gospel of Mark, we've done this journey, and and one of the big questions is, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? Who is this man? Who is this person who's walking around doing miracles? and uh, giving these, these radical, extreme, amazing, incredible teachings, uh, giving these parables and these stories, these actions. As it, what, what is going on? Who is this man? And Mark gives us from his disciples to demons and nature and the, the Pharisees even and, and all down the line, so many different examples of someone saying, this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus means to me. And so Mark chapter 6, we're going to be at the very end of chapter 6 this morning, and it continues on, but now we get to see a conflict. And we're going to go all the way actually into, even into chapter 7, and in this conflict, Jesus has some very strong words. And I wonder if they're not just strong words for the Pharisees, I wonder if they're strong for us today. Matthew chapter 6 Starting with verse 53. When Jesus and his disciples had crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret, anchored the boat, and came ashore. People immediately recognized Jesus and ran around that whole region, bringing sick people on their mats to wherever he heard he was. Wherever he went, villages, cities, or farming communities, they would place the sick in the marketplaces and beg him to allow them to touch even the hem of his clothing. Everyone who touched him was healed. The Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean hands. They were eating without first ritually purifying their hands through washing. The Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat without first washing their hands carefully. This is a way of observing the rules handed down by the elders. Upon returning from the marketplace, they don't eat without first immersing themselves. They observe many other rules that have been handed down, such as the washing of cups, jugs, pans, and sleeping mats. So the Pharisees and legal experts asked Jesus, why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eat food with ritually unclean hands? He replied, 
Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied, prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandment while holding on to the rules created by humans and handed down to you. Jesus continued, clearly you are experts at rejecting God's commandment in order to establish these rules. Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly be put to death. But you say, if you tell your father or mother, everything I'm expected to contribute to you is Corbin, that is, a gift I'm giving to God, then you are no longer required to care for your father or mother. In this way, you do away with God's word in favor of the rules handed down to you, which you pass on to others, and you do a lot of other things just like that. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, listen to me, all of you, and understand Nothing outside of a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. After leaving the crowd, he entered a house where his disciples asked him about that riddle. He said to them, don't you understand either? Don't you know that nothing from the outside that enters a person has the power to contaminate? That's because it doesn't enter into the heart but into the sewer, or into the stomach, and it goes out into the sewer. By saying this, Jesus declared that no food can contaminate a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of a person that contaminates someone in God's sight. He said it's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. The word of the Lord this morning. Jesus calls out the hypocrites, the ones who are do- doing nothing more than following rules. And can I tell you today, I, I admit, I confess to you, you probably know this about me, I'm a rule follower. I don't push it. I'm much more comfortable having rules and I'll just follow along. And the religious leaders, they had their rules. And going back, we can go back and look in the Old Testament, hey, the, the Ten Commandments, right? Ten Commandments, those were the rules. And those were good rules. Honor your father and mother, that's one of them. And hey, that worked out for today. But the Ten Commandments, those are good rules. And the rules they had were not just the Ten Commandments. Now the rules that were were given for the the Pharisees, they were handed down. Generation after generation, these rules were, were passed down. And now they were added to. And let's come up with some more rules. And the Ten Commandments doesn't hit every single type of situation, and so let's go and let's find out some, some other situations, and we'll make some new rules. And suddenly, there's so many rules. One, they're impossible to keep track of, impossible to follow, but also, now these rules, man, they're starting to contradict each other, and Jesus points that out. And so, sometimes, I think rules are helpful. It was a little over a year ago, the, the Kansas wind that we have from time to time that often happens, it was gusting. Um, and it knocked over a glass ornament that was on our front porch at home. And this glass ornament, just, just kind of shards of glass now. We didn't know that. The wind had blowing. It had gone down. Well, Hazel starts to head outside, and she's going to go out to play, and she happened to be barefoot. And right on her heel, she comes down, and you just hear this scream. And you know, moms know this, there, there are screams, and then there are screams, Right? And so I, we run around the corner thinking her foot had fallen off or something. You know, we, what is going on? And sure enough, there was, there was blood. There was tears. And now I had to go get the tweezers 
And we, you know, right there in the front porch did some, some old-fashioned surgery. And <laughs> but we, we got, that, got that out of there. He got the glass out. And then Hazel met what has become her most feared arch enemy in her entire life as a five-year-old. Hydrogen peroxide. Do you know this? And I, I've, I've, you know, have some trauma from childhood experiences as well. But it cleans the wound. And you pour it on an open wound and it bubbles up. It's the white bubbles. And it, you know it's working when it's burning, right? It's, and Hazel, I, I just have to say sometimes, okay, I'll go get the peroxide. No! It's not bleeding. She'd much rather have, you know, the Scooby-Doo Band-Aid or, you know, whatever. But we had, we had to clean that out, and we got that. And so there became then a new rule at our house. We don't go outside unless you're wearing shoes, at least sandals, right? And that's, that's the rule, and that's, that's a good rule to have. So there are rules that are good rules, and we even, rules to protect us, we even add to rules sometimes. But some rules are not about protection. Some rules have just been handed down for whatever reason. And what it says in here is these were not rules that had been followed because they were in the law or they were in the Old Testament. They had just been handed down over and over again, kind of become just tradition, just habit, just this is what we've always done. You just follow the rule because it's a rule. There's another old story, and I've, this is not my own. I've heard this other pastors share this, but it's an old story of a, a young lady who had been handed down this secret family recipe on how to prepare a Christmas ham. And everybody in the whole town knew, man, this was, this was the best Christmas ham. Her great-grandmother started this recipe. And her great-grandmother was known far and wide because she made the most delicious Christmas ham. And that great-grandmother taught her daughter, and she taught her daughter, and finally the granddaughter was getting ready to teach the great-granddaughter how to prepare this delicious ham. So the young lady invited her, her mom over. They stepped into her big kitchen, got out the big roaster, pulled out the big ham from the fridge, and mom said, okay, sweetheart, the first step is to cut off the first four inches of the ham and throw it out to the dogs. And the young lady, what? Why would, why would we do that? Why would we cut off four inches and throw it out? And the mom said, that's how my mom taught me to do it. That's how we've always done it, and that's what we're going to do. Do you want the best ham this town has ever, ever heard of, ever received? That's what we're going to do. Well, this young lady was, was not, not satisfied with that. She needed more explanation. So she went, she, she went above mom. She went to grandma. She said, Grandma, I know this has been in our family for years, and I know it's the most delicious ham but why would we cut off the first four inches of the ham and feed it to the dogs? And Grandma said, well, because that's the first step. And that's what my mom taught me. She always cut the first four inches of the ham and fed it to the dogs. That's how my mother taught me to do it. That's how I taught my daughter to do it. And this is how we have always done it. Well, the young lady was still not satisfied. So she goes and tracks down great-grandma. And she tells her great-grandma, my mom says that she was taught to cut the first four inches of her Christmas ham off, but she can't tell me why. And Grandma says she was taught to cut the first four inches of the Christmas ham off, but she can't say why either. Why would we do that? Why would we waste four inches of Christmas ham? And great-grandma smiled. And she did not say that's how we've always done it. 
But she said, sweetheart, years ago when I first started making Christmas ham for the family, we didn't have much. We didn't have big kitchens and all the fancy appliances and all the big pots and pans and roasters. We had one roasting pan, and it was small. So I had to cut the first four inches off so it would fit in the roasting pan. <laughs> and generation after generation after generation cut, cut off four perfectly good inches of Christmas ham. Why? Because that's how we've always done it. That's the Pharisees' same thing with their rules. It's just it's how, how we've always done it. And you know, it's interesting with the Pharisees today, I don't know if you picked up on this and read it, especially in our post-pandemic world we're in today, their rules that they had are actually pretty good. It's smart to wash your hands. Please, wash your hands today, right? It's a good thing to do. And they even said when they went to the market, they immersed themselves, like, ugh, icky, market, let's get the, you know, hand sanitizer and, you know, let's, let's sanitize here. But that's a, that's a pretty smart, pretty good rule. But some of the other rules, they'd kind of lost their meaning, and all, could, all they could say is, this, this is how we've always done it. They didn't know about germs and bacteria back then. It was just something they had always done. Well, can I tell you, when you've got a bunch of rules and the only explanation is, this is how we've always done it, you no longer have rules. What you have is customs and culture, and you have an entire way of life. But the problem is, one day you have a generation turn around and say, why? Why do we do it that way? And if the parents or grandparents look down at the next generation and say, well, we've always done it that way, it's not a really convincing argument to a young person. So culture changes, and habits and routines change, and standards change, and, and I don't know if you feel this way, but change is happening faster and faster, it seems. And sometimes, I'll confess to you this morning, I get grumpy about change. <laughs> well, that's not how we've always done it. What? <laughs> Do you know that sound? Maybe it's just me. That's not how we've always done it. Things are changing. There's a TV show that is played quite often in our house. It's called Bluey. And I don't know if you know about Bluey. But if you have a kid, you know about Bluey. Okay? And Bluey, I, I will say to you today, is part of the modern way in which we... I mean, yeah, I'm going to show the clip in just a minute. <laughs> Bluey is, is part of the modern way in which like, it's modern kids' television. And when I say modern kids' television, I mean you actually learn something when you watch modern kids' television... Like there's Coco Melon and the new forms of Sesame Street, and like they teach our kids stuff. When I was watching cartoons as a kid, I knew how to blow up a Roadrunner with dynamite. That's that was my right. That, but now these days, man, it's it's good stuff. And so I'll watch. I'll sit down and watch Bluey. Bluey's entertaining. Bluey's got a message. This episode of Bluey, it's called Phones, <laughs> but it's when Grandpa comes to visit, and Grandpa doesn't live in the city. Grandpa, he's, he's a country guy, but he loves his two grandgirls. And they're, they're, they're granddaughters. They're all dogs. Bluey is a, is a family of four dogs, but they act more human than they do, you know, Blue Healer and Red Healer. And it's also Australian, so this Bluey is a part of the Australian public television thing, and somehow Disney found it, and now it's just sweeping the, the globe, really. One of the most popular kids' shows. But Bluey here... And Bingo, Bluey and Bingo are the two kids, and they're welcoming Grandpa to playtime. Let's watch this clip. 
Hey, kids. Granddad! Oh, there you go. Can you play with this, Granddad? Oh, yeah, you bet. What are you playing? We're playing restaurant. Oh, yeah, I've been to a restaurant. You need your phone. I haven't got one. What? Here, you can use this one. I'll make another. Oh, thanks, Bingo. This is where you live. Oh, great. Is this my house? No, it's not your house. Oh, right. Well, whose is it? It's theirs. You pay them on your phone to have a holiday here. See? Just press this app. Boop. Oh, an app. Yeah, I know about these. Whoop. Too easy. Whoops. You'll have to pay for that. Oh. Uh. Just push the button. Boop. Okay, I work at the restaurant and it's dinner time and you want some food. Got it. Check out my new phone. Oh, lovely. What does it do? Well, it can... Evening, ladies. What are you doing here? I thought this was a restaurant. It is, but you don't come to the restaurant. Don't you? You stay at home and order on your phone. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I know what's going on. I use my phone. Mm. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. Hello? Oh, hello. I'd like to order some food. And Dad, you don't phone call the restaurant. What? You just order on the app. But I haven't got a menu. It's on the app. Oh, right. Boop. Oh, yeah, here we go. Hang on. What type of restaurant are you? What do you mean? Are you Chinese or Italian? We're everything. Yeah, you can order a pizza or a burrito. A burrito? <laughs> burrito. You can have anything you want. Oh, OK. Anything I want, eh? Oh, that makes it harder for some reason. Oh, oh sorry, guys. Better pay for that. Boop. Do you need help choosing, Grandad? No, no, I'm all right. Ah, oh, I know. Boop. Curried sausages. Curried sausages? Yeah. Why do you want curried sausages? I love curried sausages. Yeah. You said I could have anything. OK. Curried sausages. <laughs> Evening, ladies. I'm here to pick up me sausages. <laughs> Granddad, you don't pick them up. Bingo delivers them to you. All right. OK. Hey, how you going? Nice night, eh? Oh, you don't really chat to the scooter person. Oh, OK. Sorry. Boop. Did I do it right? Yeah, good one, Grandad. No worries. Let's have some food. Oh, that's good. So do I just eat here, alone? You can watch TV on your phone if you like. Yeah, there's a TV app. OK. Boop. Are you sure we're playing this right? Yeah. OK. Hey, uh, can anyone make one of these apps? Um, yeah. And they can do whatever you want? Yeah. Good to know. I'm just borrowing this. <laughs> Finish my sausages. Oh, I could go some dessert. Boop. Pavlova. Ooh, I just got an order for a pavlova. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Almost ready, delivery driver. Boop. 
just pop this in here. <laughs> Made an app for that. Just push this button and a croc catcher comes to your door. That's just what we need. No dabby app. What's the picture, Brenda? It's a little croc set, like a little freshie. Okay, hurry. I'm hurrying. Okay, I've loaded down it. Oh, a customer. Hey. Evening, ladies. Nice night, eh? Are you the croc catcher from the app? Sure am. Well, can you please catch? Sure can. First thing, get it outside. <laughs> you don't want a croc loose in your house, trust me. Now what? You, grab him by the snout. Me? What about you? I'll be back here, supervising. Okay, hold still, Bingo. <laughs> got it. Jump on its back. All right, I got him. I got him. Hooray. Now what do we do? What are you asking me for? You're the croc catcher. Well, I'm still working on the app. Red Dad. Okay, okay. Which of your neighbours don't have any pets? <laughs> Watch his head! Watch his head! Singing to a liar, a liar! Ah, thanks, ladies. Dinner's ready. Yeah, dinner! It's curried sausages. Yeah! You beauty! Come on. Things have changed a bit since I was last in the city. Yep. Kids are still kids, though. And that's Bluey. And that's Grandpa. And things have changed a bit since I was in the city. The kids are still kids, though. And, you know, Granddad could have grumbled about the change. He could have protested. He could have been outraged by the change. And I, to be honest with you, if I'm the one judging it, I would think, you know what? I would, I would say what Granddad would said. Are you sure we're doing this right? <laughs> and you know, and I, I, my family, we still eat at the dinner table. We breakfast and, and dinner, and lunch is kind of crazy sometimes, especially with school. But breakfast and dinner, we still eat at the dinner table, and we still don't have screens. And you know, we we talk to each other, <laughs> and not everybody does that, but. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I look around at the world and says, are we still doing this right? All this change, is, is it actually for the better? And what, that, what could I end up doing then is I could just, I could be grumpy about it. I could tell the next generation, you're not doing this right, you're wrong. Here, here's the way we've always done it. But granddad's love for his kids was more important than his resistance to change. And as I look over society, I could get really bent out of shape about the changing times. People just eating weird stuff or different fashion trends or new hairstyles or these social movements or these things that people pay attention to these days or things that people don't pay attention to these days. And I could sit on my front porch and just shake my head at the weird changes of this world. I don't like it. I'm going to grumble about it. But you know, Jesus in verse 17 he leaves the crowd, he gathers his inner circle in, and he's got something to say to them. And he says, don't you understand, don't you know nothing from the outside that enters a person has the power to contaminate? 
It's not your clothing, it's not your food, it's not your hairstyles, not whatever's trending these days. There's some, some things that are different, some things that are changing. But verse 20, Jesus says, it what, it's what comes out of a person that contaminates someone in God's sight. It, it's from the inside. Not that Jesus is saying, well, there's no more rules now, or there's no more standards, or eh, just whatever, whatever you feel like is fine. But what he's saying is, pay attention to what is important. Pay attention to the things that might shape you. Pay attention to what has a hold of your heart and what has a hold of your mind. And can I tell you today, church family, our world is filled with things that are in our hearts and in our minds that ought not to be there. And the entire time we're screaming about things that are outside in this world. That's the problem. That's what's what's wrong with the world today. We're not doing it like we should, like we had in the past, and that's the problem. And all along, we're allowing things that should not be in our heart and should not be in our head to linger. That is what is contaminating our world today. Not a hairstyle, not a fashion trend, not a new type of food. It's the things that we as the people of God allow to linger in our hearts that have no business being there. So we have to care far more about what we're allowing to linger in our hearts and minds than just getting mad at the world that is changing around us. No one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to become a thief today. (laughs) But what they do is over the series of several mornings maybe wake up and look around and see my stuff isn't all that good. I don't have enough stuff. I want more stuff, especially compared to that other person. I wish I had their stuff. Or we listen to the advertisements or see on our phones or on our screens or wherever. All you need is one more stuff. And if you get one more stuff, this is the stuff you need. And then that you get that stuff and now you'll be good. What if I don't have enough stuff? Let me go take it. Or no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I, I'm going to commit a sexual sin today. But they do wake up and find themselves in a world that is objectifying other people. In a world that puts it right in your face. And if you linger, if you allow that to just hang out in your mind, that temptation is only going to grow. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be arrogant and foolish today. Ha ha, let's go. But they do wake up and fail to greet the Lord with a prayer of thanksgiving. In humility saying, God, thank you for one more day. And we do wake up and fail to ask God for wisdom and discernment that I may not make foolish decisions today. We fail to wake up and surround ourselves with friends who are positive, friends who are going to help us, a, a, a circle of people in our life who are going to be encouragement, and maybe even talk about let's correct you, let's discipline, let's, hey, out of love, we want you on the right track. In our uh, community, there, there's um, this program called Drug Court, And in drug court, it's part of our our county's initiative not to just say, all right, you made a mistake now, lock you up. There's an alternative now. That if you have a drug offense, instead of just sitting in jail and waiting out your time, you can be part of this drug court program. And in this drug program, there are requirements. There's drug testing, there's employment requirements, there's community service hours, there's there's a lot. There's learning, there's a lot of stuff. But every three or four months or so, I get to go what's called drug court graduation. 
And it's these graduates who have, were once, at the very least, offenders, many just addicts, addicted to something. They have broken the rules, but instead of just sitting in jail, they have shown over a period of a long time, over a year at least, that they have done what it takes to overcome those rules they have broken. And it's a celebration. And a judge does not stand there and give a sentence. A judge stands there and gives a handshake. And it's open for anybody. Anybody can come. I, I go every time. I haven't missed one in, I don't know, over a year now. I love these things, drug court. It is ways in which we help people overcome the mistakes of the past with a second chance. It's beautiful. The last drug court, was, it was standing room only. It was, it was a full house. And they have a speaker, and the guy who stood up, he said this. He said, some of y'all today, and, and, and many of the people there are members of drug court or going through the program. And he stood up there, and he said, some of y'all today need more enemies. What? You need more enemies? What? What? He said, you need to go get some more enemies. What are you talking about? And what he is saying is, and he explained, he said, some of you think you have friends. They are not your friends. And if they're bringing you down, if they're leading you in temptation, if they are bringing you to places you should not be or dangling things in front of you that should not be in front of you there, you need to make them your enemy. Meaning, you need to, they're not your friends. Get away. And I thought how beautiful of a, it's, a it's, it's an odd way to say it. It's an attention-grabbing way to say it, but it's so true. In our world today, it is not just drug court participants who are facing this. We have addictions. We have temptations. We all have weaknesses in our lives. And we need to treat those temptations as the enemies they are. Because we are called not to just grumble about something that might be different now, but we are called to be holy people, to live a life pleasing to God, and to not be enslaved by the things that want to control us. And so Jesus doesn't stop and say, all right, no more rules. Just forget all of them. Rules are bad. Rules don't there's not enough of them, there's not, the, the, the rules don't cover every situation. Just forget all about No, Jesus says this. Yes, there are things that can contaminate you. Yes, there are things that can be a problem. Yes, there are things that don't need to change. And here they are. Verse 20, it's what comes out of a person that contaminates someone in God's sight, he said. It's from the inside. From the human heart that evil thoughts come. What is inside today? What are you allowing to linger in your mind and in your heart? Because if it's the wrong things, you are contaminated. And we are called not to be contaminated. We are called to be holy. The scripture that Wayne read this morning from Romans chapter 12. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind so we need to get away from sexual sins from thefts from murders from adultery from greed evil actions deceit unrestrained immorality envy insults arrogance foolishness why because Jesus loves rules no 
because that is what will contaminate your heart and your life. And the road leads to darkness, it leads to rock bottom, it leads to emptiness and despair. And Jesus is standing today and saying, be holy. Not because we want to follow a bunch of rules, but because this is a better way. And so in just a moment, I want to offer a word of prayer for us. There, there's, there's two thoughts. The altars are open if you want to pray. You could pray right where you are. I'd love to hear what's going on in your life right now. How can I help in that situation? But let me tell you this. One is some of us need to review what we are allowing to linger in our heart and in our mind. And we need to do some spring cleaning. Because it is shaping us. It is tempting us. It is a weakness that we've allowed to be in our world. And we need to get rid of that. Others, perhaps we need to renew a commitment to living a better way. Living a way of a holy lifestyle for Jesus. And our, our initial response might be, okay, what are those rules? <laughs> well, I can give you some, some nice, I can love God and love others. Do unto others as you, as you would have them do to you. Those are all very good, but it's not rules for every single situation. It is saying, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. Allow your spirit to come into my life, and now you guide me. And whatever God is telling you to do or say or get rid of in your life, you better obey God. So bow your heads with me, and let's pray this morning. Lord, our world, we know it's changing. We know we might even be grumpy about it. But I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, not to what is out there, but what is on the inside today, Lord. Lord, would you give us the courage and strength to do a self-assessment, to consider what we might be allowing to linger in our hearts and in our minds today, Lord. What has maybe just been bringing us down? With the burden that we've been carrying on our own, the weakness we are too afraid to speak, the temptation that we just let hang around, Lord, it is time for you to move and to cleanse and to deliver us from evil. We cannot do that on our own. So would your spirit fill us today, Lord? And may you convict us and may that unsettled feeling that we have, may the discomfort that we experience not be just because, oh, I'm having a bad day, but because you will not allow us to continue on with evil in our lives. Remove it, Lord. Get it out of here. And may we not then just be an empty vessel, but may you fill us, Lord. Fill us with ways in which we can respond to our world today how you would have us respond with love but also speaking truth with grace and forgiveness with mercy and patience again Lord we cannot do this on our own but may we go out as recipients of your love and of your forgiveness today that we may turn that around and live the exact same way towards others and as we then go Lord as you have 
fixed us or worked on us. And as we have surrendered to you, Lord, I pray that as we now go forward in the future, Lord, protect us. Guard our hearts. Don't allow the enemy to come in. And would you place people around us, Lord, who are not enemies disguised as friends, but are true, good, and faithful friends and people who are with us on this journey together, Lord. Strengthen us not as just as individuals, but as your body of believers, that we may benefit, but also then be able to share with others, Lord. We thank you and we love you today. We pray these things in your name. Amen.